Hey, what's up? Welcome to the live stream. Thanks for joining in. Gonna do a little uh, ask me anything, some Q&A sessions. So anything you have, any questions about medicine or musculoskeletal care, just drop them in the chat, I'll go ahead and answer them. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Dr. Matthew Harb. I'm a hip and knee surgeon. I work in mostly Washington DC and Maryland area. And uh, I do a lot of outpatient and same day total joint replacements. And uh, I've been doing these live sessions now for, for a couple weeks and uh, just answering questions. Anything you guys uh, may have, just drop it in the chat. Hey, what's up? Thanks for joining. Welcome to the show. So um, I do a lot of cases. I probably do about uh, 20 to 30 um, joint replacements a week. And uh, I do take orthopedic trauma call, meaning uh, for a week at a time, I take all of the trauma that comes into the hospital. I'm in charge of the orthopedic care um, for that center. Um, there's different levels of trauma centers. So there's a uh, level one, two, and three. Uh, a level one center is obviously going to be the busiest on the trauma aspect. But um, for me, I take call it a level two center. So um, it's not as much uh, intense injury. It may be like an old lady fell and broke their hip or someone was in a car wreck and, and maybe broke one or two bones, but it's not as high level as what would be a level one trauma center, which is um, like life-threatening injuries or needing multiple subspecialty disciplines for care. I just had a knee replacement three weeks ago. Um, I don't know if my calf pain is concerning. So anytime you have surgery, um, you can be at risk for what's called a blood clot when your blood uh, doesn't move, when you have inflammatory issues like a surgery that just happened. Um, we call that vertical uh, triad and uh, it puts you at risk for blood clots. Now, I put my patients on a blood thinner after surgery. I have them up and moving right away. The issues with developing blood clots are when you stay in bed for a long period of time and you don't move. Um, and calf pain is one of the most common areas to feel a blood clot, meaning a deep vein thromb thrombosis. And um, that's one of the most common areas. We'll sometimes do an ultrasound called a duplex ultrasound. Um, it's a test to see if there's any blockage of the vessels or any blockage of the veins and if a blood clot has formed there. Um, a blood clot in your calf will just cause a lot of swelling, may cause some calf pain. You don't want the blood clot to go more proximal, meaning you don't want it to go into your heart or into your lungs because that can cause a lot of issues. And uh, if you do have a blood clot, we'll put you on a higher blood thinner. Normally, I'm just using what's called aspirin, but um, we'll use other things like Xeralto uh, or Eliquist or... Um, or a Coumadin if you're on a, uh, if you do have a blood clot and for a longer duration, usually we're treating that for about six weeks. If you guys have questions, drop them in the chat. I'll try and answer them. Hey, what's up? Thanks for joining. Um, welcome to the show. What about same day knee replacements? So I do a lot of same day knee replacements. I would say probably 70, 80% of my cases are same day knee replacements. We have a lot of uh, better techniques as far as minimally invasive techniques to, um, get people up moving right away. And so patients can go home the same day, which has been a huge advancement in joint replacement where patients used to sit in a hospital for two weeks or so. Now they're going home the same day, which is great. Um, after total knee replacement, how often is an MUA necessary? It depends on risk factors. So some people who form keloids or hypertrophic scar, 
Um, they can be at more at risk for needing a manipulation. For those of you who don't know, manipulation is done when your knee gets very stiff, either with or without a surgical op operation. Um, so it's done about maybe uh, one to 2% of the time. Some literature studies will say as high as five to 10% in patients who are at risk for keloids or hypertrophic scar, but just routine about one to 2% for a knee replacement. And it's to try and get you more motion in the knee. I'm six foot, 375 pounds. Um, for knee replacement, what weight should I get down to for arthritis? Um, so the goal BMI, which is body mass index before surgery is 40. Now, will I replace people who are heavier than a BMI 40? Yes, I will. Um, it depends on your age, your other medical factors, and how bad your arthritis is. It becomes very difficult to lose weight, especially if you are crippled or have a really bad knee. Um, or hip. So I take all those factors into consideration. There are some surgeons who will just wait till your BMI 40. And I've even heard of some surgeons having a cutoff of 35, which I just think that's uh, too low. My clots went to my lungs. I'm on Eliquis now. I'm sorry to hear that. Does doing the same procedure over and over again get boring? I will say no two joint replacements are ever the same. So even though I'm doing mostly hip and knee replacements, every person's joint is different. Meaning some people have what's an osteoarthritic hip, which is just some wear and tear. Some people have an autoimmune uh, or a rheuma uh, a rheumatoid arthritis hip, which means there's massive inflammation. Some people need revision procedures, meaning they, they had a metal on metal implant which created a bunch of metal particles and they had a pseudo tumor and you have to take everything out and cut the bone and put a new one in. Um, there's people who have tumors in their hips who need big pelvic reconstructions. There's people who have get into car accidents and break their bones. And all those are reasons that we would do a, a hip replacement operation and not all hip replacement operations are the same. So there's a lot of variety between patients. Also patient specific needs are different. Some people have very poor bone quality, which is called osteoporosis, where some people have very thick, dense bone quality, which those each present different challenges. So you just get really good at doing those operations, which um, I love. I love having good outcomes after surgery. Um, and so uh, that's great. Thanks for joining. Appreciate the uh, support for the channel. I've had a right hip replacement. Why does the muscle and the scar uh, underneath the incision, it sounds like, feel rock hard? So anytime you have a surgery, the you're going to develop scar tissue where that incision was made. And so that has to heal back together. Um, the scar tissue usually tends to subside after a surgical procedure. Um, different things like deep tissue massage, sometimes warm compresses, um, sometimes a little even mixing in some ice therapy can help to reduce that scar that you feel underneath, but that's, uh, that should fade and go away with time. I'm, I'm, let's see, I'm 58 years old and I have a torn rotator cuff. Does that need surgery? I will say probably majority of the time we're not doing surgery for rotator cuff tears unless they're full, complete traumatic tears. A lot of the times if you have small rotator cuff tears um, and you can still lift your hand above your head, we'll try conservative treatment, we'll try injections, things along those lines. And then if it doesn't get better, you still have pain, then we would go in there and do a rotator cuff repair. But that's happening um, really in full thickness tears. <clears throat> I'm a physical therapist. How long do you keep your patients on hip uh, hip precautions after total hip replacement. So I do what's called direct interior total hip replacement. I don't give my patients precautions after their hip replacement surgery. 
you know, hip precautions traditionally are for more posterior uh, approaches. And, uh, you know, if I do a big revision surgery posterior, then I'll do hip precautions, usually for about three months. But for anterior, direct anterior, mini, minimal invasive surgery, I'm not doing any uh, hip precautions. I just let people, uh, I test stability in the operating room before I leave. Patients have a stable hip, they're good to go. <clears throat> I, had our, uh, I had a hip replacement last September, still have issues with the quad and can't walk very far. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, it seems like you're getting close to a year out. Um, you know, I would double check with your surgeon, make sure that everything's intact, make sure that the components are in a good position. Um, quad irritation can be common, but it, uh, it depends exactly what your symptoms are. Like, can you not lift your knee? Can you not extend your leg? Um, are you just having a little bit of weakness? Um, I have seen people make improvements even a year to a year and a half after the operation. I have an inch of plastic coming out of the bottom of my uh, completely closed incision. What is it? It's likely a dissolvable suture. If it was uh, sometimes dissolvable sutures, especially if your body doesn't like them, they can pop out of the skin. Um, it's probably a monocryl, um, you know, and it depends what your surgeon closed with. For me, I use all dissolvable sutures, so those are underneath the skin, and those will go away over time. But sometimes you'll spit, uh, you'll spit uh, the skin, uh, the suture out. <clears throat> tore my ligament and two tendons in my right wrist had a surgery my doctor recommends against it um it depends you know for any joint if you tear ligaments around the joint the issue is you can have instability if you have instability around a joint and it's chronic the goal is to prevent arthritis or worse complications and that would be an indication for a surgery i do mostly uh hip and knee replacement i do do some orthopedic trauma but um I would say, you know, it depends which ligaments. If it's your SL ligament in your wrist, then that's one we're usually doing um, some types of reconstructions for, depending on how bad it is. What can you tell me about the glute max and medius tears? Tried to fix it four times already. I'm sorry to hear that. Glute uh, max and, uh, and medius tears can be very difficult to deal with. Uh, my question would be, is there an underlying issue that caused repeat tears? Surgical fixation for glute max and glute minimus are not always good operations because you use that muscle for everything. You use your glute muscles to get up from a seated position, to go upstairs, to um, balance your pelvis when you're walking, and you need those muscles for all of that. So if you have tears, they become very hard to heal. Your body needs a blood supply to heal that area of the, the, the tendon and the musculotendinous junction or where it goes into the bone can be relatively not have the greatest blood supply, so they're more prone to injury. Um, sometimes a uh, sports surgeon may go in there with some suture anchors and try and tack them back down, but my question would be, is there a labrum tear? Is there arthritis? Is that what's causing the muscle tear? Is something else causing the muscle tear? Um, and then some people just don't heal those as well, um, which can be very painful. Hey, what's up from Arkansas? Very nice to meet you. I actually used to live in Louisiana, so not too far away. I'm in Washington, D.C. right now, and I, um, but uh, welcome, welcome to the live stream. I need a double knee replacement, but BMI is too hard, uh, too high, hard to lose weight with bad knees. Um, I know it can be incredibly difficult to lose weight, especially with arthritic knees. Um, you know, my BMI recommendation is 40. Now, I did a patient who was 400 pounds, uh, BMI 46 the other day. 
Um, just because they were very young, they had had a bad hip since birth. There wasn't very much they could do as far as mobility, and they were healthy overall. So in that case, you know, I would indicate a patient for surgery. But the risks of having a high BMI, increased risk of infection, complication, dislocation. So, um, you know, obviously we want to try and avoid things like bariatric surgery if we can. That would be a, a last resort. And we try to do nutrition, exercise, diet, lifestyle, um, uh, mental uh, uh, kind of mentation, um, and there's different groups around the country that will help with weight loss in that in that regard. Um, but you know, it all depends on on you specifically. Um, for me, I do a lot of telehealth visits, and I do uh, a lot of people travel for surgery. There's a link in my bio. It's MatthewHarbMD.com/links. Um, I have some good guides on hip and knee replacement in there as well. Um, Let's see. I need a hip and no ortho wants to consider uh, surgery due to MRSA of the SI joint. So the question would be, are you on chronic suppressive antibiotics or did you clear the infection? If you had one MRSA infection before, that shouldn't pre, uh, prevent you from having a hip or knee replacement operation. Obviously, there's a lot of things that can be done to protect a joint from an infection, meaning you can clean the skin with antibiotics ahead of time. You can put antibiotics in your nose. About 30% of people have MRSA or MRSA staph in their nose. Um, I do that before surgery. I give a double dose um, for a gram positive and gram negative coverage for antibiotics right before I make an incision. I give antibiotics after the operation. So all that helps prevent oper uh, infections. And so if your infection is cleared and you're not on suppressants, that is not a disindication for having an operation. I would probably find another surgeon and get a second opinion. Is 47 too early for a hip replacement? I had FAI and the pain is back now. No, 47 is not too early. Um, you know, uh, I've replaced people's hips as young as 18, 20 years old for dysplastic hips or septic hips. Um, you know, a hip replacement is a really good operation. I have people who play tennis, golf, swim, biking. I even have some people who do some jogging or light running. Um, you can be very active after a hip or knee replacement. And um, 47 is not too young. If you have a painful hip with arthritis or an impingement or FAI, which we call femoral acetabular impingement, then a hip replacement can be a really good operation. Thank you for the follows. Thanks for all the double taps, the likes, and the support. I appreciate, uh, appreciate all the uh, support for the channel. I had a patient who's 20 with bilateral hip replacements. Um, you know, so there's a couple different reasons that young patients need hip replacements. The first and probably most common one would be a dysplastic hip, meaning the hip didn't form right from birth. Um, there's other things that can happen like septic hip. Um, there's so two of the... Um, uh, non the hips that don't form right are called DDH or developmental dysplasia of the hip. The other one is, uh, is called uh, Perthes disease, and those are two things that could lead someone to needing an early hip replacement or their hip not forming right as a child. And so, if they're 20, I would probably suspect they probably had one of those. They probably had either DDH or uh, Perthes. What is a septic hip? So, anytime we say the word septic, it means um, infection. So like septicemia is blood is infection in your blood. A septic hip means there's an infection in your joint. Um, so a septic hip is bad. Um, bacteria really like to attack the joint, attack the cartilage, and basically destroy the joint completely. So if you have a septic joint, um, it's a medical emergency.
All right, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, pain in the knees and hands, already on biologics. Yeah, um, you know, so it sounds like you're doing everything you can to prevent it. The DMARD, which is a disease-modifying anti-rheumatic agents, um, can be helpful in preventing RA from progressing. But rheumatoid arthritis is your body attacking uh, your joints, basically. It attacks your cartilage, it attacks your synovial lining, and that causes early destruction and arthritis. So I do a lot of uh, hip and knee replacements in patients with uh, autoimmune conditions and uh, and uh, especially RA. And then those medications that you use to suppress your uh, immune system, things like long-term steroids, can also do things like they can cause necrosis of the bone, cause your bone to die, cause your cartilage to die. And so um, everything's a risk benefit. But if you have a really severe RA, you know, you may end up needing early hip and knee replacements. What type of shoes were, were <laughs> was I wearing in the last video? Right now I have on Crocs. No one can see under the, under the, uh, <laughs> under the uh, desk, but uh, you know, Crocs are comfortable. I like to operate in Crocs. Um, I'm not sponsored by them. Um, but other than that, when I'm working out and doing things, I usually wear ASIC, um, nice supportive shoe, nice supportive uh, sole. And then when I'm in the office, when I'm in the clinic, I wear a dress, nice supportive uh, dress shoe. <clears throat> One hip hurts really bad and the x-ray shows nothing. So x-rays can only show the bones. It can't show the soft tissue. Um, if you don't see anything on x-ray, then you know the next step, if nothing works, would be an MRI to look at the labrum. The labrum is the shock absorber of the hip, and um, sometimes that can have a tear in it, which can be very painful. Collapsed knee, will I make up leg length discrepancy with a replacement? Um, usually we are not doing a replacement to make up a leg length discrepancy. The problem is if you put a knee replacement in, again, let me show you on this model. So this is a knee replacement here. And the knee replacement, if we cut 10 millimeters off the bone, then we want to replace 10 millimeters. And so um, you want to just replace what you're taking. And see this insert in the middle, if you wanted to gain length, you would have to use a really big insert, which would stretch out all these ligaments. Meaning if we try to gain a bunch of length through your knee, we would make the knee so tight, so stiff, that you just wouldn't be able to bend it. So it's not good. Um, to gain a lot of length through the knee joint. Now with hip replacement, it's a little different. We can gain length back from the hip replacement because it's a ball and socket. It's not so much a hinge joint like the knee. So really for the knee replacement, the first goal is getting rid of the arthritis. The second goal is balancing the knee um, and balancing the knee that doesn't take into account changing the length. So we want to balance knee. Um, so most likely your leg length will not change after a knee replacement. Now, if your knee is sitting all cattywankus, meaning your knee's all the way like this, and you straighten it out, you may feel like we lengthened it a little bit, but um, that's only because we corrected an angle and made it straight. But we actually didn't change the length. <clears throat> What's your opinion of doctors refusing to give opiates after surgery? You know, I keep hearing this from a lot of people on here. For me, I give uh, all my surgical patients have access to opiates. Um, I give them Tylenol and uh, Celebrex, which are non-opioids, and I give them Tramadol, which is a narcotic, and Oxycodone, which is a narcotic. Many patients of mine do not need Oxycodone after their hip or knee replacements, um, and so they do very well, but they have access, access to that. My medial partial is not balanced if it caused pain on the outside of the knee. Um, 
I would say that's not 100% true. The most common failure of a partial knee replacement is what we call progression of arthritis, meaning if you're starting to get pain on the outside of your knee and you have a partial knee replacement in, it could be, you know, it depends when it started. If it started from day one, then, you know, it may, like you said, not be balanced correctly or could be overstuffed. If it's too tight on one side, it may push on the other side. But really the most common failure of a partial knee replacement is progression of arthritis. And so that's probably why it's hurting on the other side. You know, if it got really bad or you had documented uh, arthritis on an image, then you could do what's called a conversion knee replacement, where you're actually taking the partial knee replacement and converting it over to a total replacement. Do you do knee replacements for serious arthritis? Yes, that is my uh, specialty. I'm a hip and knee specialist. I do do orthopedic trauma as well, but I'm mostly doing uh, hip and knee replacements. I have really good guides on my website as well. <clears throat> but that's mostly what I'm doing. Impingement syndrome in the right shoulder, will it heal itself? Um, it depends. You know, a lot of the time impingements hurt because they cause a lot of inflammation. It can cause the rotator cuff to flare up and that can be an issue. Um, if impingement in the shoulder does not get better, we'll sometimes do a cortisone injection or we'll sometimes go in there with a camera to try and clean it up. I fell on my new knee replacement. Sorry to hear that. Um, you know, we put these knee replacements in very solid. So uh, even if you fall, it shouldn't break. Now you can injure things or get a bone bruise um, around, the, uh, uh, around the replacement, meaning your normal bone or normal ligaments. Um, so hopefully you recover. Um, if you can't bend your knee, then I would probably definitely see your surgeon, make them, they'll probably get some x-rays, they'll probably make sure nothing's torn too seriously or dislocated. Where am I located? I'm located in Washington, D.C. in Maryland. Um, I do a lot of telehealth visits. There's a link in my bio where you can just schedule a telehealth visit, so uh, many people do travel for surgery. Partial knee replacement scheduled for September. What can I do to get prepared? Walking is very painful now. So Sherry, I would uh, check out my uh, website. If you go to uh, patient resources on my website and go to uh, knee replacement, there'll be a guide. Um, I would read the guide for knee replacement uh, operation. It's a 32-page document that I basically have created over the last seven years. It talks about everything start to finish for what to expect for a knee replacement. It gives you a list of exercises to do. It gives you a list of items that could be helpful for you. And so that guide can be very helpful. Um, so there are certain exercises in there that you should do to strengthen your knees, strengthen your upper extremity, kind of strengthen your whole body. I had knee reconstruction two years ago. The doctor says I need a total knee. Should I wait or do it now while healthy? It depends on your symptoms. You know, if you have arthritis on your x-ray, the next step is do you have poor quality of life? If you have poor quality of life and difficulty with activities of daily living, then the next step is a knee replacement operation. I have chronic rheumatoid and osteoarthritis, and I have since 25. It's very painful. Um, yeah, so that, that's one of the downsides for autoimmune conditions, and they can really just give you arthritis everywhere. So um, those patients like yourself end up needing early joint replacements. I have a knee replacement, but every 10 years, my soft rubber spots need to be replaced because it wears out. Um, 10 years is very fast for a uh, polyethylene to wear out. My question would be, you know, what implant do you have? Um, you know, and have you had to already have the plastic piece in the middle? So you're saying the polyethylene is wearing out. 
This is highly durable, meaning the modern polyethylenes, there was an issue with one company. There's a company called Exactec, which uh, had a recall with all their polyethylene bearings. Um, I don't use them. Um, they're not that large of a company, but um, how they process the polyethylene could cause increased wear issues. These things, 60% of these things are still intact at about 30 years um, after the operation. So wearing out every 10 years shouldn't happen. Yeah, if you've needed it twice already, my question would be, what is, where, is something off with the joint on x-ray? Meaning, is the joint malaligned? Um, is the, uh, why is it wearing out? There's a reason it's happening. Um, you know, what, what processing uh, did they use highly cross-linked polyethylene? Is, did they impregnate the polyethylene with vitamin E to prevent wear? But 10 years is very, very fast for wear. I mean, I put these knee replacements, I put these knee replacements in people who are like 350, 360 pounds, and they're not even wearing their knee replacements out in 10 years. So <clears throat> I had a left total knee in 2019 and I uh, still have half the skin numbness around the leg. Um, it's hard to say. There is a nerve on the side of your knee, the far side, called the uh, peroneal nerve. If that nerve gets stretched, it's very difficult to cut that nerve um, because uh, it's very close to the back uh, outside corner. And uh, so it doesn't get cut. But if you have a very bad deformity and the knee gets put in a certain way, you can stretch that nerve. And if there's a nerve stretch, it can cause some numbness. In worst case, some people can actually get a foot drop. Um, so that's probably, if it's been more than two years, it's probably not going to come back. Severe pain in the wrist, ulnar side, day after lifting something he heavy, could it be sprained? Yeah, so on your wrist, uh, the uh, ulnar side, for everyone who knows, is over here on your pinky side. The radial side is your bone side. If you have it right here, um, at the top of your ulna, there's something there called the TFCC. It's the triangular fibular cartilage complex. And uh, that's a very common area that gets sprained. There's actually a little meniscus there, some ligaments. Um, you know, sometimes if that's the issue, we'll do uh, um, anti-inflammatories, a, a wrist, a uh, little wrist brace. You can get those online. If you look in surgical equipment and braces in my bio under my Amazon store, you can find a little wrist uh, brace that you can go in. Um, and if it doesn't go away, then I would probably follow up, follow up with the doctor. But that's probably the most likely thing on the ulnar side that got sprained. What do you recommend for shoes after having a flat foot surgery? Uh, same thing. If you look in my bio, I recommend uh, Hoka shoes are really good. Um, I have a link to them. There's a, one called the, um, the uh, Hoka One uh, is really good. Asics is really good. If you just go to my Amazon store, you'll see my, uh, my shoe recommendations. How to get rid of lower back pain from spinal arthritis. I wish there was an, an easy and great answer to your solution. Unfortunately, um, once you have arthritis, it doesn't go away. Now, can you get a chronic condition or chronic back pain to go down to baseline and become more stable? Yes, you can. We use anti-inflammatories. We'll do some therapy for stretching. Um, sometimes your back can autofuse, meaning if your lumbar levels get so unstable and they're moving all over the place, the bones will actually fuse themselves together and basically create this in situ fusion, um, similar to what a spinal surgeon would do. And that's one of the ways the body protects itself. So that's if the arthritis gets very bad in the back. If it's terrible, meaning you can't do anything, get an MRI, see a spinal surgeon, they could possibly do a fusion. I had bilateral knee replacement surgery three months ago. How do I know if I have developed uh, scar tissue? Um, every knee replacement develops scar tissue. It's just to what degree? Usually by about four weeks, people should be bending their knees zero to 90 degrees. 
by about three months. I would say average for a knee replacement is probably about zero to 115, zero to 120. Um, but every knee gets scar tissue. It's just how much you move through that scar tissue and how much that scar tissue binds up your knee. Had a partial knee replacement, 628, still in pain. Is that normal six weeks now? Yes, I would probably say that is normal. Um, the uh, partial knee replacement, you know, it may take up to two to three months to really be feeling a lot better. People make improvements six months to a year after the operation. I'm not in Florida. I do have, there's actually a bunch of patients who actually fly to me for replacement from Palm Beach, Naples, Fort Lauderdale area. Um, so I'm not, I'm in DC. I'm not in Florida. I do do telehealth visits. <clears throat> top three exercises for a middle-aged woman with weak knees um i have a great exercise guide on my website as well for basically it's a home knee exercise program but doing things like uh uh you obviously don't want to do things that are open chain exercises you could do heel slides you could do straight leg raises um there's a bunch of different exercises that you can do you can even do some light leg press um, I try to say avoid, uh, but, uh, avoid the, uh, treadmill if you can, elliptical and, uh, bicycle are very good for lower impact. <clears throat> Hi, uh, had a micro fracture and a cortisone, uh, cortisone injection in my knee, still have pain. What would I do next? Um, if you had a micro fracture, it's probably for an area of arthritis. Uh, it depends what your knee looks like. You could get an, uh, um, it depends how far out you are too. You could always get a repeat MRI to look at the area. And then there's other procedures. There's cartilage transplant procedures. And if it's really bone on bone arthritis, there's a partial knee replacement. Had a knee MRI today. I see the orthopedic on Wednesday to follow up my results. I wish you the best of luck. Hopefully nothing's torn. Hopefully your arthritis is good. Can you recommend a spine surgeon in Chicago? Um, I don't have one off the top of my head. There are a lot of good surgeons. I'd probably go online, you know, do a Google research, uh, search, read some reviews. <clears throat> um, degenerative disc in the lower back thoughts on steroid steroid shots the epi epidural steroid shot that's very helpful if there's a certain level that's pinched the steroid shot helps to calm down the nerve and i've seen people get a lot of relief like with that bilateral knees done a month ago i now have a cold and sinus infection should i be concerned um i wouldn't say to be concerned uh it sounds like you're worried about infection um it, viral infections are usually located to upper respiratory tract. You don't get a, what we call spread of a viral infection to a knee. Now, if a viral infection doesn't clear from your upper respiratory tract, it could develop into a bacterial infection, but just a routine cold, um, you don't have to worry that much. I will say people within two to eight weeks um, after having routine colds can come in with increased joint pain. And part of that is because as your immune system starting to clear the cold, you get this inflammatory response. The inflammatory response tends to make other joints, um, the lining of other joints flare up, meaning the synovium, which is the lining around the joints flare up. So many people, maybe a couple weeks or months after a viral infection can have inflammation in their other joints, which tends to go away. Are there any other options for surgery besides, uh, for a rotator cuff? You can try cortisone injections, get an MRI, see what's torn. Those are really the only other options. Should I have clicking in a knee replacement? I will say clicking is uh, not uncommon in uh, knee replacement. Um, as you can see here from my uh, knee replacement model, that the knee replacement is a metal and plastic, right? So if I bend the knee one way or the other, back and forth, you can hear a little click, right? Not uncommon. 
as the swelling goes down, as the ligaments get tighter, as the muscles get tighter, it's going to glide a lot easier and you're not going to hear as much of a click. But if you stretch it from side to side, you may hear that little click. Not uncommon. Why do I have to take medication every time I go to the dentist that I, uh, now that I had a partial knee? Well, those uh, recommendations are surgeon specific. For me specifically, I have my patients uh, not take any medications for uh, routine dental cleanings. Now, if they're gonna have more invasive surg uh, dental surgeries or dental procedures like root canals um, or abscesses, then I'll uh, have my patients take uh, antibiotic before. And that's only for two years for me personally. <clears throat> ACL a year ago, still feel sore, can't run a 5K without feeling slight pain. Whenever you have an ACL injury, your knee actually dislocates and then pops back in place. You can have other things. You can develop arthritis. You can develop meniscal tears. Um, and so that could be a, a cause. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Welcome back my single subscriber <laughs> ACL repair with knee replacement um yes you can do it so when you do the it depends when you had a knee replacement or when you had the ACL done uh currently they're using bioabsorbable screws which you can just cut through with a saw but uh previously they used metal screws so if you had an ACL replacement it's not hard to do a knee replacement you just go back in there and you make your cuts. If something's in the way or one of the screws is in the cut, you just remove the screw. We have screwdrivers and uh, different things to get the screws out. It's not hard, very common. And then in the worst case, if something's really in the way, then we'll use what's called, called a metal cutting burr and it's just a diamond burr tip and we can basically just cut through metal. Thoughts on BPC-157? I'm not really sure what that is. Um, probably something I'm gonna have to look up. Sounds like it's some type of stem cell um, or maybe an injectable. Um, so uh, something new, we're not routinely using that. Um, you know, there's not good literature on PRP or stem cells to support it, but uh, I'll have to look that one up. Arthritis in my knee, gel shots, medication, nothing seems to help. Um, you know, cortisone's the best, uh, gel injections, um, work kind of second best. I would say most people get some relief with cortisone. With gel, it's probably about 30, 40% of people get relief. Um, and then the next step, if all those fail, either you could retry cortisone or you could just go for a replacement if you have an end-stage arthritis. <clears throat> I had a question. Last year I had an ulnar shortening osteotomy and I can't lift anything. So anytime they do an osteotomy, your bone has to heal back together. You know, I would double check with your surgeon, make sure your bone's healed. Um, you know, that's why we're, every surgery has its risks. That's why one of the big things as a surgeon that we do is we counsel patients on risks and benefits so that we can set their expectations before going into surgery because that leads to a better outcome. People don't want to be surprised at maybe things that they didn't know going into surgery. Um, that's why I give all my patients my 32-page document, which is a guide on hip and knee replacement on my website. And, um, you know, setting expectations is important. That way, if things happen after, like you have numbness around the incision or you need a revision surgery, you know, it's not just out of the blue. It is, you know, you were counseled on that, you know about those things. What kind of surgeon am I? I'm an orthopedic surgeon. I specialize in hip and knee replacement. How do you see scar tissue on x-ray? You can't see scar tissue on x-ray. You uh, need an MRI to see scar tissue. 
Most of the time though, we're not doing MRIs to see scar tissue. We are just doing clinical exam because scar tissue develops after any surgery. The risk of scar tissue is that it makes a knee stiff or develops something called arthrofibrosis, which is a stiff knee. And so um, scar tissue causing a functional impairment is usually a clinical diagnosis. We're not always getting MRIs for it. And what I mean by a clinical diagnosis is we look at your knee, we feel your knee, we see how you're moving, and that's how we make the diagnosis that scar tissue is an issue. Some people can get scar tissue at the top of their kneecaps after surgery. That can cause like a clunk or a click or crepitus, which is a crunchy sound when you move. How often are parts recalled? Parts are very rarely recalled, like over the course of history, um, you know, there have been some like metal on metal hips where uh, they thought they were really good and then they were a failure. So those were done. Modular metal necks were recalled. There was a company that had, um, uh, that manufactured their polyethylene, meaning their plastic in the middle wrong. That was recently recalled. Luckily it was a smaller company. But um, the implants that I use, they have a great track record. They've been around for 10 years almost. So usually if an implant's been around 10 years, we have good data on it that says the survivorship is very good and it's not just gonna fail. So um, I really only use uh, implants with a good track record and good longevity. And I've had experience with all the implant systems. Um, so that's why I use the implants I do. Got a new knee in May and I'm getting the other one done soon in September. Will I ever be able to kneel? I will say kneeling is one of the most difficult things to do after a knee replacement. Um, you're not going to damage the implant by kneeling on it, but about 50% of people do have some pain. Um, do have some pain with kneeling. Kneeling is something you can work on and get stronger over time. Meaning, the more you do it, the better your knee actually gets. I usually recommend a kneeling pad, like a pillow, um, or some people even get knee pads who garden a lot after. But it's something you can work on. I have the striker triathlon knee. Is that a good knee? Striker triathlon, great track record, really good knee. Um, how do you cure fibromyalgia? You can't cure it. Unfortunately, you can just treat the symptoms of it, try and neuromodulate it, see a pain management doctor, rule out any other things that maybe, um, maybe it's not fibromyalgia, but if everything's ruled out and that's the diagnosis you got, it's nothing, you, you, you can't really cure it. <clears throat> you know, I would listen to what your doctor says. Uh, for me, I allow my knee replacement patients to kneel on their implants. Um, I have many people who want to go back to gardening, um, who are on the ground, who do yoga, um, who are different religions who get on their knees to pray. And so I do allow my patients to kneel after knee replacement. But not every surgeon is the same. I would listen to your surgeon and follow their protocols, but th those are my protocols specifically. How to fix arthritis in both knees. If it's bone on bone arthritis, then um, you know the ultimate cure is a knee replacement. You can do things to win to get uh, try and push that off like a cortisone injection. Um, what attracted you to orthopedics over other surgical specialties? I really like the idea of treating someone, doing an operation, and getting them better. Meaning it's a more immediate result. Similar, uh, different from treating like cancer, where you're doing palliative care, you're trying to prolong. Um, or treat a chronic condition. You know, I didn't enjoy that as much. I liked working with my hands. I actually had an engineering background before going into orthopedics. Um, I like to build things. So I reconstructing humans. What what could be more fun? Um, so I love doing orthopedics. I love doing uh, hip and knee replacement. What moves should you not do again after hip replacement for potential dislocations? So it depends what kind of hip replacement you had. If you had a posterior hip replacement, uh, the maneuvers to avoid are. Uh, deep flexion, 
adduction, which is adduction, bringing the leg over, and um, internal rotation. So we say avoid crossing your legs or avoid flexing down and picking something off the floor. Now I do mostly anterior hip replacements, so I don't have any precautions on my patients, no hip precautions after the operation. Um, so that's a little bit different than posterior approach. Um, how do you feel about orthovisc for knees? It can be helpful. Probably about 30, 40% of patients have relief with orthovisc. I've been told I need a double knee replacement. I'm 61. I have great guides and information on my website. There's a link in my bio. Um, you know, uh, knee replacement is not the end of the world. Many people, um, many people undergo knee replacement and many of my patients get back to golf, swimming, tennis, get back to being active, get their lives back. Had bilateral knee replacement a month ago. How long till I can go back to sleeping on my side? Um, I would listen to your surgeon, but uh, for my patients, I allow my patients to sleep however they're comfortable at the start, meaning they can sleep on their side, on their back. I usually recommend a pillow between the legs as that can be helpful. Appreciate all the double taps, all the likes, follows. Thank you for supporting the uh, channel and the stream. Cortisone sent my blood sugar numbers to the sky and the gel works well, now perfect. Yeah, uh, you know, that's unfortunate. If you have diabetes, one of the side effects of the cortisone is it can raise your sugar levels. You could try a half dose, but if you have a high A1C or you're very sensitive, then it may be worthwhile to probably avoid the cortisone because it can last, it can be around um, for a while and elevate those blood sugar levels. I asked you a few weeks ago, complex regional pain syndrome after ACL, MCL, PCL two years ago. Um, best research? Um, you know, it sounds like treatment for that. You know, unfortunately, chronic regional pain syndrome is one of the worst conditions that you can get from having a surgical procedure. Um, when you have a multi-ligament knee dislocation like you had, you know, you probably have arthritis in the knee. Um, you know, the one question would be distinguishing nerve pain from arthritic pain um, in the knee. And um, there's a couple different ways you can do that. Um, there's vitamin treatments that they'll do. Sometimes they'll do pain management doctors will do nerve desensitization procedures. There's high dose vitamin C. There's some other tricyclic antidepressant medications that can be helpful. Um, but I would check with kind of a pain specialist. If there's a CRPS specialist in your region, that can be helpful. My scoliosis is getting worse. I'm 26. So, you know, by 26, your growth plates are usually fused and you're probably not having degenerative uh, issues unless you have a curve that's like more than 60 degrees. Um, they can be prone to back injuries, which can be more common, but it depends on the level of your curve. And you could actually get serial x-rays to actually see if it's progressing. If a curve's progressing or getting worse, causing impairment, that could be a, a reason for doing a fusion, but the, usually that doesn't happen in a 26-year-old. Ever hear of an ankle replacement? Yes. <laughs> We have replacements for all joints. We have replacements for the discs in the neck, for the shoulders, for the elbows. There's even wrist replacements. Um, now, some are not as good as others. Um, hip and knee are really the best out of all of them. Um, but I, I, uh, I really appreciate uh, the support for the channel. I may do another one of these live streams tonight. I'm going to jump off for now. But um, if you have any questions... You can always drop them in my Discord channel. So if you go to my link in my bio, you'll see my Discord channel. It's a chat. You can just drop questions in there. I answer those when I'm offline. And uh, it's matthewharbmd.com slash links. And you can see all my links. So appreciate all the support. And um, I will. Uh, I may jump on again tonight. So hope everyone has a good good Sunday.